0: tripping over things. Good morning, Lakeside. It's so good to be with you and to be back um, from our Mexico trip. Um, I'm going to invite the Mexico team to come up with me. Um, amazing enough, they all made it here this morning, I believe, and um, we got in last night. Our flight landed about 8.15 or so. We didn't leave the airport till closer to 9, and so uh, the fact that we made it in and our back is uh, uh just the grace that God has given and so we just want to do a real brief thank you for praying for us for supporting us maybe just a few uh, really uh, short testimonies as an intro to what we'll share later at some point we'll um, have a uh, just a share time where we'll show a lot of pictures and extended time to hear stories um, but we would take up the entire service today and uh, next week I will share'll be a little bit more planned and programmed to share some things. Uh, next week Um, but this morning we are all here and uh, and so I thought I'd just ask one or two of them to share a uh, just a brief um, highlight of the trip Uh, so would anybody like to volunteer to go first hi I'm Mariska Um, something that really stuck out to me on the trip was the kids days Um, some of the kids there spoke English but not very well I guess um, so I, was, I thought we weren't gonna have a connection because we like couldn't have conversations, and sometimes we would, but we'd have to be like Kayla, what did they say? And then Kayla would have to translate what we said, and it was just difficult. But um, like the laughter and like playing games together, and like going down the slip and slide with them, like we didn't have to talk at all, but we still made a connection with each other just through, like, hanging out and laughing and smiling. So, yeah, that was fun.
1: Okay. Hey, guys. Uh, if I didn't do too well in front of kids, I don't know what I'm going to do in front of this church. But uh, <laughs> um, one thing that stood out to me was uh, a lot of the times when, like, I was messing up talking in front of uh, kids, I uh, noticed that Jackson like, he translated and said a lot more than what I said. Um <laughs> but uh I just noticed that we um all really had a good time and all took something from this for me i uh I opened up to God a lot more, and uh I saw him coming into my life a lot hello um, One thing that really stood out to me was just the power of prayer and, like, seeing the impact that prayer can have on just, like, your everyday life. So, like, there was one point when we were all kind of getting a little bit nauseous, and it was a really hot day. We were painting, um, but we had some homemade tea. It was really good, by the way. But um, right before we were starting to drink our tea, Kayla just said a prayer and a blessing over the tea, and it was just, like, meaningful to think, like, you don't have to just pray about, like, really big things. Like, it was tea. Like, we just prayed a blessing over our bellies and the tea and just prayed that God would just use the tea to heal us, and it was, like, really meaningful to see that, like, you can pray over anything. God can work through anything. So, yeah. anybody
0: else? Awesome. Thanks. Um, yeah, so much uh, to have learned, and really, when you um, when you've donated and given to a missions trip, it is an investment uh, in lives for eternity, um, and the impact that even if what impacted these kids, this group—they're not kids anymore—but um, this week is all like it's it's worth the investment. But I know it's going to go on from here, and I know what's going to happen and in Mexico. I just had two brief pictures, and I'm not going to talk too much because I'll talk next week. But um, so if you can put the first one up, each of them. Um, got to share from the wordless book uh, on on the second. Everybody, David shared the whole wordless book the first time we went out. And then everybody shared a page from the wordless book, which is a way to present the gospel. And Jackson translated, which um, I like it for some of them it's their first time ever doing public speaking and having a translator who knows the gospel very well to translate for you is is a great first opportunity because you're talking in front of people which is intimidating and then you have some buffer that helps you out (laughs) so um and he spoke for me when i preached um for their church and so it was helpful um knowing that even speaking through a translator is a difficult task so i was proud of everybody Um, but we had 62 kids that day and just seeing each one develop through telling the story um, in that moment i could see as they presented just growth in their person and their personality and their confidence and sharing so we'll tell more about that next week but one of the cool things was on the next slide we did these gospel bead bracelets with um and cef has these uh, Gospel tracks um, through the, the the gospel beads, and it tells them the gospel, what each one means in Spanish for children. And uh, we gave uh, them the bracelets. Layla handed bracelets to them. We went out and got the the these two kids at the coconut stand after we came off the mountain. We hadn't eaten all day, and we got uh, cold coconuts to, to to drink the coconut water and and eat. And um, and these were the two little kids at the the family-owned. And uh, they gave him the bracelets. We gave him the, the gospel tracks, And I, when I walked back in, they were devouring these books. He had read it like a couple times before I'd even gotten there. And I got that picture of him just just holding on to it. And it was, it was really neat. And then on the plane yesterday, um, two little kids uh, got um, the bracelets and the, the booklets. And the mom took the the gospel track, and she read all the way through it, and then she handed it to her daughter. And then this little girl just practiced her uh, her reading with her dad over and over. Like, for the first half of the trip, she's just reading this out loud, and her dad's like, nope, uh, he would pronounce the word. It was really precious. And so just even through those things, the gospel is going out in a language that we don't speak, uh, but God uh, God doesn't. And so it transcends things. So one verse I'll leave before I uh, finish talking was in our—we uh, had a— uh, a devotional book for our, our missions trip and uh, in our one of our readings this morning was the Lord uh, in Psalm 118 uh, starts in 27 the Lord is God and he has made us his light to shine upon us he has made his light to shine upon us he said you are my God and I will give thanks to you you are my God I will extol you oh give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever so thanks for your prayers um, we're all very grateful and happy to be here and to be with you again today Thanks, everybody.
1: Thanks so much for being willing to come up and share. Briefly after a long travel, uh, Brad didn't give you the details, but one of their layovers was a 14-hour layover on the way home So it took a long time to get home uh, And therefore they all could have been sleeping in and we're thankful that uh, you were able to be with us this morning And for us to see the answer to our prayers just in your own joy uh, and all the opportunities that you got to have while there Uh, And before we go to prayer again this morning uh, To thank God for what we also just heard uh, I just want to share a brief update uh, that we received this morning uh, from Zoltan Seppi. Uh, they are already planning to be away for this Sunday and the following Sunday uh, as a family, but this morning Zoltan's mother, Margaret, went home to be with the Lord. Um, and it's bittersweet uh, because it is uh, a morning where her faith has become sight. Uh, where she has entered into her eternal reward and it was the longing of her heart uh, to be able to do that. She's been on hospice care at home uh, for a few weeks now and so it wasn't a surprise but for those of you uh, who are blessed to know her just know what an absolute legacy of faith uh, and strength that she was. And uh, what a, therefore, a huge loss uh, that her absence will be uh, not only to the Seppi family, but to so many others, as she was sort of a mother in the faith uh, to so many people who looked up to her and saw her as a mentor. And so we want to thank God for the provision of the travel and the missions work that our team was able to do, and we also want to lift up the Seppi family. So would you join me in prayer now? Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we are thankful. um, as we sang together, that your, your faithfulness is great. Um, through every season of life, uh, we thank you that for... Uh The teens in our church who were willing to say yes and take a risk to go to a a country uh, that they hadn't been to, to be surrounded for a week in a new environment and a language that wasn't familiar, that as they were willing to raise their hands in that step of faith, we thank you that you uh, heard and answered our prayers along the way for funds to come in to enable them to go, for the passports to come in to allow them to travel Uh, eventually while they were there for restored strength to be able to do the work. Uh, that you had sent them to do when a cancellation at one school happened, the provision of another school that they could go and minister at. And we just thank you for all of that. And we know there's there's even more that we haven't had a chance to hear about yet, uh, but we, we glorify you and bless you for uh, all of those answered prayers on their behalf. And we do just pray that you would continue through your spirit to allow that to impact them and uh, those that they ministered to, uh, that as you bring things to mind of uh, remembering the goodness that transpired and even some of the valleys that you brought them through, uh, we pray that you would uh, ultimately use this as something to continue to bring about transformation uh, in their hearts and in their lives in the days, weeks, and even years to come. And Father, as we gather, we also think of the Seppi family uh, as Margaret uh, has entered into her eternal reward. And we thank you for the good news um, that you have promised eternal life, that you are the resurrection and the life, and that all those who call upon you, even though they die, yet they live. You're the only one who can make that promise and the only one who can keep that promise. And so We thank you for Margaret's life and for her testimony of faith. We thank you for the way that she was an example and a mentor uh, to so many. And as her joy was to see others walking in the faith, we do pray that as we think of her and uh, her steadfastness and faith in you through all of the valleys that she had to walk through, uh, we pray that you would give us a similar type of resilience and strength that trusts you uh, with each and every day of our lives and trusts you ultimately with the end of our lives. Uh, And we do pray for uh, the Seppi family and and all those who uh, know her and will, in a unique way, be feeling her absence and missing her voice and the presence of her company. And we just pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would be a comfort uh, and a source of um, strength and and a uh, ministering of peace to them in this time. And now as we turn to your word, we pray that through it, you would ultimately Comfort and strength in each and every one of our hearts uh, for all that our lives consist of in this moment as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I invite you to take a Bible and to open it to Psalm 29. And if it's possible for you to be turning in your Bible to Psalm 29 and... Uh, listening at the same time, then I'll invite you to to listen while you're turning there to Psalm 29, but because there is a way in which to me that this psalm is uh, David doing something uh, for the people of Israel in a similar way that actually a few generations after him would be a prayer request of a servant of God named Elisha. In 2 Kings chapter 6, it tells the story of a time when the nation of Syria and the nation of Israel were in battles with one another. And the king of Syria would call together his counselors and his advisors, and they would talk together about what their next step would be, where they would encamp their troops or where they would travel. And they were getting frustrated because it seemed like the decisions that they were making as a nation in how they were going to go and attack Israel and what they were going to do, that somehow... Israel kept finding out what their plans were, and so avoiding uh, them in an encounter with them, and, and so Syria kept feeling like its plans were being thwarted. So much so that the king of Syria gathered his council together and said, okay, wh- who's the mole? Who's the one here that keeps telling them what we decide and what we're doing? And they, somebody rose their hand and said, no, no, no. Nobody here is, 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 is a traitor. Nobody's betraying the nation. But there's a prophet in Israel who hears from the Lord what it is that we're doing. And he communicates it to the king of Israel. And so then the king of Syria says, well, do we know where he is? And they said, yeah, we, we hear that he's over in this town. And so in the darkness of night, they send horses and chariots And it says a great army. And they completely surround the city that Elisha is in, in the cover of night. And Elijah's helper, servant, wakes up in the morning and steps outside and realizes they are completely surrounded by the army of Syria. And he comes back in to tell Elisha, We're surrounded. (laughs) we're in trouble and the prayer of elisha in second kings chapter 6 is god would you enable even my servant to not just see that we're surrounded by all of these uh, soldiers and horses and chariots from syria but would you help him to see that we're actually also surrounded by your heavenly army that we are protected by guardian angels and heavenly beings, that if he could only see that, then he wouldn't be afraid of everything else he does see. And the Lord hears Elisha's prayer. And I submit to you, coming to Psalm 29 is, in a similar way, this this opportunity for us with whatever we might be facing in our present circumstances. Uh, If we have eyes to see it, the psalmist is wanting to show us That God is greater, and has a greater army than anything we might currently see. This is Psalm twenty-nine. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth. Flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry, Glory! The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Psalm 29. The first few verses are a call to worship, but not actually a call to worship of the children of Israel on earth, but it is this profound heavenly call to worship. It says Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength and the glory that is due his name. We have images that can come into our mind of, of earthly power, that there's a difference between seeing uh, the ruler of a nation all by themselves and seeing them in the presence of all of the heads of their military or sort of all of the um, the pageantry of a coronation sort of ceremony when all of a sudden we see that this individual king actually has a whole lot of people who follow after him. It's just like uh, seeing the difference between our our president individually answering questions and then usually once a year is the tradition in our nation where the president addresses a joint session of Congress and all of a sudden you see that the, the full authority of the United States government is evident in members of the Supreme Court and members of the Security Council and members of both chambers of, con- uh, of Congress. And you get this glimpse of, yeah, there isn't just one person involved. There's a lot of people involved. And it gives this greater sense of power and authority that uh, is vested into individuals who represent all of us. And the scripture talks about our God as the one God who rules over the earth but he also has messengers, servants, angels, heavenly beings who come alongside his children on earth at various points in time in scripture. And most of the time when it happens, the repeated phrase that comes to the people who encounter them is, don't be afraid. Fear not. Because when they're our times of those encounters directly with those who are the messengers and the heavenly beings who surround the throne of our God, it, it immediately reveals to us as human beings how not impressive we are, <laughs> how not glorious we are when we encounter just how great the glory is that actually surrounds us. And here the psalmist is saying, all, not all of you creatures here on earth, but all of you heavenly beings, You created glorious creatures. Ascribe glory to the one who made you. Give him the glory in the splendor of holiness. Ascribe to him the glory that is due his name. Sing the praise of the one who's created all of these beautiful and majestic beings. All that uh, consist of the heavenly council are invited by the psalmist to worship the one who has made them and created them in splendor and in glory. And it is, if you will, if we could just get a glimpse of what that would look like, we would be in awe. We would be amazed. Somebody would have to come to us and say, fear not. We get these kind of glimpses again in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, when it talks about those who are gathered around the throne and worshiping Jesus that it's not a small gathering. It is a beautiful and strong and glorious company of people who surround our Lord in all of his glory. And everything good about them, they still themselves exalt God and God alone as the one who is worthy of all of their praise. And usually, even when we read about it or at times when we get a glimpse of it, we, we recognize again our inadequacy, our ordinariness, that we are not as glorious as we sometimes think. I had the opportunity one of the afternoons uh, this past week to uh, uh, take uh, our three boys out to play nine holes of golf. And I called a course that I thought might be a little forgiving to say, hey, can I bring out my three young kids and we all four of us cram on one golf cart and Uh, I promise they won't tear up the course or anything. I'll watch them, but can we come out and play nine holes? And there was a course that was willing to let us come out, and so we did, and about halfway through, so the way I usually played it is I would hit the first shot, and then from the tee shot, we'd play best ball uh, all the way up until the end. And about halfway through, uh, our youngest, David, just paused, and he said, man, if this was on TV, nobody would watch it. (laughs) And I said... At first, I was wondering if I heard him right. And I said, what did, if this, this was on TV, like our playing? Yeah, yeah, if this was on TV, yeah, nobody would watch it. And I said, why? And he goes, because we stink. <laughs> and I actually thought we were doing reasonably well. I was kind of impressed with the score, but I appreciated his level of honesty to say, yeah, we're, we're not that impressive that people would want to tune in and see what's taking place. But here the psalmist is saying, no, 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 when it comes to the glory of the God who's made heaven and earth and everything in heaven and earth, you want to see it. You would be in awe at the glory that is true of the God who's made us. And so he invites first this heavenly call to worship. And then he begins to describe an earthly recognition of this glory. So he's first addressed the heavenly beings, the angels, and the heavenly council to give glory to God. But then he goes on to describe the way in which God's glory is revealed even here on earth in our ordinary and everyday experiences. Seven different times he repeats the power of the voice of the Lord In the next few verses, which the number seven uh, often in, in the Hebrew scriptures is a sense of completion. And so all of the created glorious creatures are supposed to be worshiping God. And then notice the completeness of his power and his glory even here on earth. And part of what we miss uh, reading this now so many centuries later and not knowing as much about the culture that surrounds him is that now some of what he's about to describe the surrounding nations would have, again, had different gods that they believed in as the god of thunder and the god over the flood or the god over the storms. And so there is, if you will, by the psalmist, an adaptation of some of that to say, no, no, no. These aren't different gods with all these forces and it's all chaotic and nobody knows what's happening or, uh, or how it's going to go. There's one God who rules over it all. And it's his voice that is over the waters that then leads to the gathering storm of thunder. That brings many waters, powerful and majestic, so strong. You have this image of these glorious trees that, in our mind, it might be better to picture sort of the Sequoia National Park uh, on the west coast of a storm so strong that it can just flatten them. That, that their glory is not sufficient to withstand the power and the authority and the majesty of God when his glory is revealed in thundering and flashes, it says, of flames of fire when there's a shaking or an earthquake that's brought about him. And so this glory that belongs to our God in heaven that even the heavenly beings uh, celebrate is also something that if we had eyes to see all around us, we should be able to recognize there are glories that are far beyond our compare. In this earth, in everyday experiences, powers and forces that we absolutely cannot control, but are beautiful. Sometimes they're scary. But if we deny God, I think they only get scarier in that they truly are random and chaotic and we have no idea what the end result will be. But the psalmist is saying, no, God is, he's not off somewhere even though he's glorious in heaven he knows what's happening here on earth and he has the authority over it and so there is this earthly recognition of glory that god's voice speaks over everyone and everything that happens and he is to be rightly worshiped in that way there is so much beauty all around us that we just take for granted Uh, Right now, I'm aware that there's a a tennis match happening in London in the final of Wimbledon that I really wish I right now knew the result of it. I know the first set and how it went, but I don't know anything since then uh, because my phone's been in airplane mode. But two days ago, I read an article. So the the most popular thing at at Wimbledon to get is a treat, are strawberries and cream. And it's so associated with the tournament that that most people, if they have the opportunity and privilege to go there, are excited to get container of strawberries and cream. And so I read uh, just a brief article on the farm that exclusively sources all of the strawberries that are now enjoyed over the two-week tournament. Two million strawberries will be consumed over the course of the two-week tournament, entirely sourced from one farm just about an hour away. And that one farm, it represents a very small percentage of their crop yield to exclusively source for Wimbledon, let alone then for the grocery stores that you and I walk into and get to purchase products. But if we have eyes to see it, we should be able to walk into any grocery store or into any yard and say, there is just glory in this earth all around us. How does all this food come from the soil that feeds each and every one of us and all of this is dependent upon the rain to come down to give it Uh, what it needs so that it can grow. And then that also needs the sunlight to do its work and all these things that are just around us and we would describe them as mostly natural until we realize that they're not just natural, that behind everything in nature is a creator and a designer who does amazing things and who speaks life over everything that he's made that should cause us to have awe and wonder over all that he does. Um, I invite you to turn to the gospel of Luke chapter 17 where we'll get a powerful description of the voice of the Lord in an encounter that 10 people had with Jesus. This is Luke chapter 17. We'll read verses 11 and 19. And here again, what we'll notice is that Jesus is simply able to use his voice to demonstrate his authority over something. Um, So beginning in verse 11 of chapter 17, it says, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan, and then Jesus answered, "Were not ten cleansed, where are the nine? was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In this brief encounter, these 10 come, and they are doing what they're supposed to do, which is to be distant from people because they have a disease that they're not supposed to spread to anybody else which often meant them isolated and only able to hang out with people just like them, suffering in the same way. And so from a distance they cry out, have mercy on us. And Jesus simply responds to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Because if you had leprosy, and there then was to be a healing, you usually needed a sort of verification so that you could now be back in the fellowship of other people, that you're no longer a threat, and so you no longer have to be isolated. And as they're going, obeying his voice to simply go and show themselves to the priests, they're all healed. Now, sometimes this story is uh, recounted in such a way that it's only the one who uh, is thankful and the other nine aren't thankful, but I think that's a hard way to read it. I can't imagine that all 10 of them just weren't extraordinarily thankful for what took place, that they had been sick, had been isolated, and that all of them were thankful, and even going to the priest was a way in which they could express that thankfulness for all that had taken place. And so I think all of them were thankful, but one of them uniquely recognized that there was a glory in the voice of the one who spoke to them that was Worthy that he should go and worship. All of them thankful for what they had, but one of them who recognized this is not an ordinary person. That was glorious, that simply with his voice, he could from afar tell us to go and that we would be healed. No medicine applied, no even indication of a prayer offered that there is this Power invested within him that was then worthy that this Samaritan it says comes back and it says fell on his face at Jesus' feet giving him thanks and we read the story and say oh I, I want to be like that one I want to not miss uh, the glory that is there I don't want it to uh, pass me by because it looks ordinary. I want to be able to be discerning and see it for what it is and recognize it and to be able to thank God for what he's done. And the end of our psalm back in Psalm uh, 29 then ends with a prayer. So first there's this heavenly call to worship and then there is this uh, prayer that I think is appropriate for each and every one of us as well. This restatement in verse 10 of what the psalm has been saying that the Lord sits enthroned over the flood and the Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people and may the Lord bless his people with peace. And so from this heavenly call to worship and this earthly recognition of glory, the psalm ends with this humble prayer for strength and peace. God, help us in seeing you for who you are to then as your children be willing uh, to receive from you a sense of strength and a peace that only you can give to each and every one of us. Just like Elijah prayed for his servant, here is this recognition that the goal is not just to see it and to walk away and be unchanged and to uh, just say, that's interesting, (laughs) but to actually be transformed by a sense of awe of who God is, that it gives us what we need to have strength for the day and also to experience peace, which peace in in, in scripture is not just a sense of calmness uh, or a a Sunday afternoon nap, but peace is the sense of restoration, of communion and fellowship, where there's there's no more conflict. There's no more battle. There's no more isolation from one another. But the, the bonds of relationship have been restored, that in his strength, we can have peace between one another. And that's what we ask God to do. God, would you show us who you are, and, and in being in awe of you and seeing your glory around us, would you help us to have then the strength and the loving relationships that you desire for us to have with the people who are around us, uh, just one more <laughs> example of this. If you turn your Bible again to the Gospel of Luke, but we'll be in chapter eight. I got to join in on a men's Bible study that I was invited to on Thursday, and the very passage that was studied uh, on Thursday. When I left that Bible study, then I had to do a reading for our upcoming book study next Monday through the book Jesus Through the Eyes of Women and the same exact uh, story was recounted in a truth that I think I had heard before but was uh, brought home to me in a, in a different way was the time, if I were to ask you as a pop quiz, who's the only person Jesus ever referred to as daughter in the Gospels? As far as we know, there's only one time where he referred to somebody, a woman, as his daughter, and it's in this story in Luke uh, chapter 8, uh, picking it up in verse uh, 40. It says, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. And as Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive the power's gone out from me And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. What an amazing description that gives us this profound window into a great glory of our Savior, that someone who had been suffering for so long, who had exhausted all earthly means of trying to make herself better, inviting the help of anyone she could to be better, and understood and had a sense of fear, even on her own part, that she was not supposed to make contact with other people. There were laws and boundaries that she was not supposed to violate. Because, again, culturally, the, the thought was that if an unclean person taught, touches a clean person, that damages the clean person. They become unclean too. But in desperation, she takes an act of faith, an act of strength, and reaches out to him and discovers that he's the one person who can make the unclean clean again. He's the one person who can restore them back to wholeness and to health, to bring them out of isolation. And so rather than responding to her in anger, why did you touch me? Why did you make me unclean? Why did you break these boundaries? Affectionately and lovingly, he shows us the glory of his heart when his response to her is daughter. You're okay. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. As Psalm 29 ends, may the Lord give us strength and grant us his peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the reminder of how powerful and wonderful you are. That you are worthy of all the praise that Uh, Heaven and earth can bring to your name that your glory is so much greater than ours. And we thank you that in all that glory when you could have uh, simply continued to create more creatures and, and almost do away with us in your love you have purposely created us that you have desired to restore us and to make us whole again to suffer for us to be brought back into a fellowship with you and we're in awe we know that you didn't have to do it and so we thank you for your willingness to do it and we pray for anyone here who feels at their at the end of their resources that they've tried everything else except placing themselves in ultimately your care trusting in your glory and your power and your strength Father that you would Help them to come to you just like this woman did, just like the 10 lepers did. And Father, for all the goodness that you've given us, help us to continue to worship you and give you the glory that is due to you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.